This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. After three separate crashes in BC this weekend. In disbelief to watch everything we were working so hard for just disappearing in front of our eyes. Their life's dream was destroyed. Now we're learning how they survived a devastating fire. And welcoming the holiday season with music and dancing, hundreds of thousands line Vancouver streets waiting to get a glimpse of Santa. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It's been a deadly 24 hours on BC roads. Three people have been killed in separate crashes in Surrey, North Vancouver, and on the Sea to Sky Highway. Our Grace Key is following the story for us tonight and joins us from the newsroom with more. Grace. Well, in North Vancouver last night, one person died in a fiery crash at the bottom of the cut. This despite heroic efforts by bystanders to save the person. So this was the scene around 7 o'clock last night on Highway 1 between Lynn Valley Road and Mountain Highway. Bystanders scrambled to pull the driver from the burning vehicle, while others used fire extinguishers to douse the flames. RCMP have not released any information on what caused the crash or if anyone else was hurt. But according to the Ministry of Transportation, the driver of an SUV crossed into oncoming traffic in a construction area where permanent barriers had been temporarily removed and replaced with a temporary barrier of large orange cones uh, to guide traffic. The highway was closed for hours, finally reopening overnight. And there was another fatal crash overnight, this one in Surrey. It happened at the intersection of 80th Avenue and 128th Street just before 1 a.m. A Honda minivan with a family of four from Delta collided with a Buick sedan. Now, the person in the Buick was a woman in her 30s from Surrey. She was rushed to hospital but did not survive. Two adults and two children are being treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. Police are looking for dash cam video of anyone who, have, who may have been in the area at the time. And a fatal three-vehicle crash has blocked traffic on the Sea to Sky Highway between Squamish and Whistler. It happened around noon near the Black Tusk turnoff. Now, RCMP say a woman was killed and several other people were injured, but they will survive. The route was closed in both directions for hours. There's no word on what caused the crash. So it is still early on in the investigations. Not a lot of details being released at this time. We'll hopefully learn more tomorrow. Jen. Thanks very much. Grace Key reporting for us tonight. Fire has destroyed an old motel in Surrey overnight. partially demolished building on King George near 84th went up in flames just after 2.30. The building is vacant and boarded up. Crews were able to knock down the flames, but the fire and the demolition work on the building meant they couldn't enter. The cause of the blaze is unknown. 
In the Okanagan, a home in Lake Country is destroyed after fire ripped through it last night. An inferno engulfed the home in Oyama just after 9 p.m. Fortunately, no one was home at the time, but the house was gutted by the flames. Two cats remain missing. Fire officials say half of the property sustained, sustained major damage and the home will likely have to be demolished. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but it is not considered suspicious. More than a month after their historic restaurant went up in flames, the owners of the Hitching Post in Headley are sharing their harrowing account of survival. One of them just got out of the hospital this weekend. Kristen Robinson has their story. <laughs> Trisha Mills and Bill Carmichael thrilled to be reunited with their rescue dog, Dexter, on their road to recovery. It's hard to really move without inflicting some sort of pain on ourselves. But... Every day we get a little bit stronger. The couple has a lot to reflect on as they heal after their dream went up in flames on October 23rd. Four months after Mills and Carmichael moved to Headley, B.C. to take over the historic Hitching Post restaurant, the 115-year-old building caught fire, trapping the new owners and their dog on the second floor. The windows out of the dining room were blowing out sequentially coming towards us and the smoke coming out was was incredibly thick. We knew we had to get out and this was the only way. I was trying to get the ladder up but the flames were too intense and um, we had to ask them to to jump. He was the first one to leave the building. I, I tossed him like a briefcase. As Dexter ran off, his owners plunged six meters to the ground. People told me that I bounced off the power pole off the railing and landed in uh, a ring of rocks at the base of the power pole, which was what shattered my bones. And I was still conscious when I saw Trisha hit the ground and she hit quite hard. Neighbors dragged them to the back of a pickup where they watched their livelihood burn. Disbelief to watch everything we were working so hard for just disappearing in front of our eyes. It was pretty hard. Glad to be alive, too. Broken bones, muscle, and nerve damage confining the couple as the community fundraises to get them back on their feet. There's, uh, there's a lot of healing before we can make any long-term plans. The cause of the fire that left their restaurant in ruins still a mystery. But Dexter found and returned, and for now, all three looking ahead together. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police are out in full force this weekend as they launch the holiday counterattack. Hi there, please do The month-long campaign is the first since Canada legalized cannabis for recreational use, and RCMP say they're prepared to catch drug or booze-impaired drivers. In Burnaby, police handed out five 24-hour suspensions before 10 o'clock. Holiday revelers are being reminded to leave the car at home and make plans for a safe ride. What we want people to do is have a plan before they go out. To, if you're going to go out, if you're going to drink, or if you're going to take any type of drug, to have someone either have a designated driver, use transit, call a cab, or just have a, a total plan of what you want to do prior to leaving your residence. It appears someone opposed to a controversial event in the Vancouver Library next month is using dirty tricks to try to prevent people from attending it. 
Feminist blogger Megan Murphy will be hosting a discussion at the main branch on gender identity, ideology, and women's rights. Members of the LGBTQ community feel her talk promotes hate and shouldn't be allowed in a public building. But last night, someone sent a fake email with her name on it to media and the library saying the event was canceled. But it's not. I mean, these are just really shady, unethical tactics. Uh, What we want to do, the organizers and I, and the many attendees who are coming, we want to have a conversation about women's rights. And we have concerns about the way that gender identity ideology and legislation could impact women's rights and could impact women and girls. And these concerns are valid. Animal shelters in the Fraser Valley have been flooded with a family of feral cats recovered from a Chilliwack cul-de-sac. Almost 60 of them were rounded up, but as we hear from Tanya Beja, this apparently isn't unusual. Come on, sweetheart. When Christy Moscopetis got a call to rescue two kittens from a Chilliwack cul-de-sac, she had no idea she would stumble upon a feral colony. Cats, cats everywhere. (laughs) So many cats. It appears someone abandoned a pregnant cat two years ago, and from that, 60 felines soon followed. Since October, Moscopetis and another volunteer have been setting out traps daily. The problem with the feral cats is that they don't lead nice nice lives. They are subject to predation, disease, um, being hit by cars. Uh, the kittens can freeze over the winter. Good job, my baby. The volunteers bring the cats to clinics like the Chiambu Animal Hospital, where they are spayed and neutered in what can be a challenging procedure for both staff and the patient. A lot of the ones, too, that we have seen have been quite feral, so very hard to handle. A lot of the time we have actually welder's gloves that we use. This one is Dora. And her brother looks just like her. So far, 21 were too feral for adoption and sent back to their colony. The rest taken to local rescue societies where they're learning to live with people. They're just very human shy. So um, they say between four and 12 weeks, you can humanize a kitten so they get used to us. So we still have four weeks to go. (laughs) Moscopetis is hoping owners who feel overwhelmed will seek help before disposing of their pets. There's more than just one rescue. Don't stop trying to find help. Dumping your cat shouldn't be an option. Um, It's a terrible life for them. Tanya Beja, Global News. We have breaking news out of East Vancouver tonight. Crews are on the scene of an apartment fire in the 200 block of Wall Street. Firefighters dragged a man from the building and began giving him life support. It's not known how badly he was injured or his condition right now. Crews arrived on scene shortly after 5 this evening. While damage to the building is not visible from the outside, it's believed the blaze was on the second floor. We just got home from shopping and we heard the fire alarm. And Usually, you know, they go off every now and again, so we didn't think much of it. And uh, I saw the neighbors rushing out, and so I grabbed my kid and my cat and went out, and now here we are. With BC not bringing in Uber until at least the fall of next year, a Vancouver councillor is putting a motion to council this week to allow for safe and licensed ride-sharing in the city by next spring. 
Melissa DeGenova is calling for ride-sharing to be introduced alongside taxi cabs in Vancouver by April 2019. The MPA councillor wants city staff to look into amending or creating bylaws that would allow on-demand ride-sharing and ride-hailing services. She's also proposing the city look at the impact removing municipal taxi boundaries would have on the public, especially people with disabilities. Welcome back. We have breaking news out of Alberta now. Alberta Premier Rachel Notley is ordering a mandatory cut in oil production to deal with a price crisis that is costing Canada an estimated $80 million a day. Global's Tom Vernon joins us now live. Tom, what does all of this mean? Well, all of this means the Premier hopes, Premier Rachel Notley hopes, is that the differential, the discount on Alberta's oil will shrink and Albertans will start receiving more money for the resource that they own. What the Premier has announced is a mandatory 8.7% production cut across the big players in the industry. That'll add up to about uh, 325,000 barrels per day. Now, the problem here is Alberta produces more oil than there is pipeline capacity and rail capacity to get it out uh, to market. There's now a huge backlog here. There's 35 million barrels of oil in storage here in Alberta. More traditionally, it's usually around that 10 to 15 million uh, mark. So what they're doing is this 8.7% cut for the first three months. They say that will reduce the amount of oil in storage and should bring the value of the oil back up. And then for the rest of next year, they will kind of match the amount of production in Alberta to the amount of takeaway capacity. What the Premier says this will do is shrink the differential by $4, uh, give $1.1 billion in revenue to the provincial government and really get full value for the resource. This is a short-term measure. And over the course of the year, the curtailment amount will drop. This is being done through regulation and ministerial order. We will review the amount every month and will adjust as needed so as to not reduce production more than is necessary. So, Tom, in addition to curtailing oil production, what other measures is Alberta going to take to get the oil to market? Yeah, so there are a couple measures being taken. The Premier announced earlier this week that the government is going to go it alone when it comes to purchasing more rail cars to haul more crude by rail. They're going to purchase 7,000 cars. They're going to come online late about this time next year and then uh, fully online by August of 2020. There's also Enbridge is uh, building a pipeline that goes from Hardesty here in Alberta into Wisconsin. It's called their Line 3 project. That is due to be open about this time next year as well. So they hope those two measures and then what uh, they're hoping for out of Alberta here is progress on Trans Mountain and Keystone XL. And they say that will allow Alberta to get oil to market and get full value for that product once again. Jennifer? Thanks so much for that update on this breaking news tonight. That's Tom Vernon, live with us out of Edmonton. Thanks. So how did we get to this point? Some say it was a perfect storm of circumstances. Here's Global's Julia Wong to break it all down. It's been a roller coaster for the Alberta economy as the province grapples with uncertainty around its most profitable export, oil. Oil itself is worth more on the ground than it is at surface. The price of Western Canadian Select traded as low as $10 a barrel this past week. World oil prices sit between $50 and $60. New projects like the Suncor Fort Hills operation are coming online, but there's nowhere for the oil to go. There isn't enough pipeline capacity to move the resource. Investors across the world are, are watching, and what they're seeing, quite frankly, is a bit of a sorry spectacle. We are a country that has handcuffed itself. A court of appeal decision overturning approval of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion didn't help. It would have tripled capacity to BC. Instead, the lack of new pipeline is hurting Alberta. 
The province estimates it's been losing about $80 million a day since the court decision, adding up to $6 billion in mid-November. $80 million a day is a, is a huge amount of money. $6 billion is significant. I mean, this is $6 billion worth of hospitals, schools, roads, bridges, programs. Last week, the Premier announced a plan to move crude oil by rail, another way to get the resource to buyers. But that won't happen for at least another year. Meanwhile, organizations working with the resource sector say long-term changes need to be made. We need TMX to go through. We need a clear regulatory regime. We need a signal from the government that they understand we need to attract capital into Canada, not to turn it away. And that's got to happen quickly. But for Albertans, it isn't clear whether quickly will be quick enough. Julia Wong, Global News. Canadian negotiators say the U.S. president is simply up to his old tricks with a threat that could leave trade between our two countries in limbo. It came out of the G20 summit that wrapped up this weekend in Argentina. Global's David Aiken explains. When the G20 summit in Argentina wrapped up yesterday afternoon, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and most other leaders immediately began the journey home. But U.S. President Donald Trump and China's President Xi Jinping stayed behind. The leaders of the world's two biggest economies stayed behind for a dinner where they hoped to settle an escalating trade war. We'll probably end up ending up getting something that will be good for China and good for the United States. So. And that's just what they did, calling a 90-day truce that will be seen as a relief by global financial markets and by countries like Canada that depend heavily on international trade. Having made progress on the China front, Trump boarded Air Force One for a late-night flight home and turned his mind to the new NAFTA. He needs to get that deal by the U.S. Congress, and to help do that, he needs a little leverage. So he told reporters on the plane he will kill the old NAFTA. I'll be terminating it within a relatively uh, short period of time. We get rid of NAFTA. It's been a disaster for the United States. Trump's strategy is simple. Congress can choose between the new NAFTA or turn the clock back 25 years to when North America had no trade agreement. Trudeau and his NAFTA negotiators first learned of this new threat from Trump when the Canadian Air Force plane carrying Trudeau back to Ottawa stopped to refuel at 4 in the morning in Miami. Now, no one would go on camera in the middle of the night, but the Canadian side is taking Trump's new threat to kill the old NAFTA with a grain of salt viewing it as typical of Trump's negotiating style. Play hardball, raise the stakes, and then bring the real deal home at the last minute. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. Montreal-based boxer Adonis Stevenson remains in critical condition tonight. He was knocked out last night defending his title. The 41-year-old is now in a fight for his life. Global's Dan Spector has more. The blows that sent Montreal's Adonis Stevenson to the hospital, where he's in a medically induced coma. Nicknamed Superman, he landed some punches early in a match to defend his World Boxing Council light heavyweight title for the 10th time on Saturday night in Quebec City. The 41-year-old going up against undefeated 31-year-old Ukrainian fighter Alexander Vozhin. Stevenson went down in the third round, but the referee called this a slip. Then, in the 11th round, not long after, Stevenson was rushed to a local hospital. Around 2.30 a.m., the fight promoter tweeted the Montreal fighter was in critical condition. Later, Stevenson was put in a medically induced coma. So that's worrisome. 
Uh, if they have to put someone into an induced coma, that means that they're very worried about the amount of swelling within his brain. Just after 11 a.m. Sunday, Yvon Michel, the fight promoter, tweeted a message of thanks for all the encouragement and said Stevenson is being watched by very competent doctors. At this boxing gym in Montreal, the news cast a cloud over this training session. Coach Connie Reyes said the referee should have stepped in earlier. He should have stopped like way before he knocked him out, just to be sure. A boxer for 10 years, she and her pupils said the news would not stop them. It comes with the sport. You have to accept every aspect of it. For Stevenson, the coming days will be crucial. The next 24 to 48 hours really becomes key because this is the period of time when the brain will swell the most and this is the time when the most danger can happen. A community holds its breath as Stevenson fights his biggest battle yet. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. NFL superstar Kareem Hunt is breaking his silence after being released from the Kansas City Chiefs. The running back was fired after video of him brutally assaulting a woman was leaked to the media on Friday. NBC's Kathy Park has more. After being caught on camera, Kareem Hunt admitted today he was wrong in an interview with ESPN. I just really want to, you know, apologize to everybody. In this surveillance video obtained by TMZ Sports, Hunt is seen arguing with a woman in a Cleveland hotel in February. He shoves her, she swats at him, and is then knocked to the floor. He later comes back and kicks her. I'm not the type of person to, you know, ever even think about putting my hands on anyone, a woman, a girl, it doesn't matter. In this Cleveland police body cam video, the woman in the confrontation describes what happened. He shoved me, he pushed me. But Hunt was not charged. The Chiefs questioned him shortly after the incident. Today, he was asked if he had told the truth. I didn't tell him everything. The NFL released a statement saying its investigation will include further attempts to speak to the complainants and a review of the new information that was made public on Friday, a reference to the surveillance video. The league has been criticized for how they handled cases of violence against women. In 2014, former Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice was seen in this video obtained by TMZ Sports knocking out his future wife. He's no longer with the NFL. If the video hadn't come out, I'm pretty sure Hunt would be playing right now in the Chiefs game against the Oakland Raiders. It's incredible to see them to just kind of be so reactionary to this all the time. Tomorrow, Hunt will learn his fate with the NFL. Kathy Park, NBC News. The most famous Christmas tree in Brazil is now shining bright in Rio de Janeiro. That's one way to light a tree that's spectacular. After two years, the tree is back to much of the delight of the thousands of spectators who gather to see the show of lights and fireworks. The tree is 70 meters tall and is illuminated by more than 2 million lights. That's a lot of lights. I hope it looks it's, really pretty. I hope it's not one of those trees where <laughs> if one of the lights goes out, the whole thing goes out, because that would take well, a while to check them all. That's, that's, from, that's from back in the day. They don't make those anymore, I don't think. Oh, yeah, oh. they do some. Do they? Yeah. If you have really old lights. Really old lights. Old lights time, yeah. time to upgrade. Yes, time How are you upgrade. both good, this evening? Good, good. nice Thank to have you. you. Nice to see you mm. both as well. What do you got going on today? What do I got going on? Well, Seahawks, uh, game against the 49ers, a game they really should have won, and they did, which is great for them. They actually uh, didn't have a whole lot of problems with that. So not only did they win, but they got some uh, help on the out-of-town scoreboard, which has happened the last couple of weeks. So Seattle, earlier in the year, I don't 
weren't sure if a lot of people thought they would even make the playoffs, but right now they're in really good shape. So we'll check out the uh, Seahawks situation when we come back. All right, thanks. We'll look forward mm-hmm. to that. It was a beautiful day for, well, the parade. Yeah, it was perfect for the parade. Chilly but clear skies. We saw plenty of sunshine today. We did start the day off with fog, but it cleared out very nicely. Glance at some of our numbers, and this will be the big weather story that we're following over the next few days. It's going to drop off, especially for overnight lows. We'll be below the freezing mark. It's going to be frosty for the morning hours, so give yourself a little extra time to do some scraping for many areas across the province. So we'll talk about how long the cold will last and the sunshine as well coming up very shortly. Excellent. Yeah, there was some serious frost this morning. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. An estimated 300,000 people packed downtown Vancouver this afternoon, all to see one man, Santa Claus. With more than two weeks to go before his big day, the jolly elf had clear blue skies for his Tell Us Vancouver Santa Claus parade. Julia Foy was there to capture the magic. The dancers were hopping. The drummer set the beat. And the Pipers, they woke up the crowd, gathered downtown for the Vancouver Santa Claus Parade. (laughs) Among the estimated 300,000 spectators were two little girls from Burnaby who had only one person on their mind. Santa! Is Santa coming? Yes. When is he coming? Pretty, Pretty soon. The parade featured 2,500 performers from singing firefighters to dancing news anchors. But one guy in green was a real crowd pleaser. Oh, always the Grinch. Oh, I am in love. This year I'm going to get him out of jail. What I like about him is um, is he's um, a really cool character, um, and at the end of the movie, he always grows a bigger heart. Merry Christmas! Whether you're a fan of Team Santa or Team Grinch, the parade will raise funds to support thousands of families and children through the Vancouver Food Bank and the CKNW Kids Fund. The moment the girls finally see the man in red is truly priceless. I think that it's uh, important to keep the tradition going from uh, when we were kids. Something we enjoyed, so carrying it along. A special rebroadcast of the Santa Claus Parade will air on Global and BC One several times over the holidays. Julia Foy, Global News. Oh, they certainly are cute. Hope they had a great time. It's a diamond in the rough, a massive rare find in a provincial park, and now we're getting our first glimpse of it. Take a look at this. This is BC's newest cave. Well, it's tens of thousands of years old, but it's never been seen until now. The unexplored cave was found in April by a Ministry of Forests, Lands and Natural Resource Operations helicopter team doing a caribou count. The cave is hiding in a very remote valley of Wells Gray Provincial Park, and it's about the size of a CFL football field and 100 meters deep. The finding is very exciting for geologists. 
would have been completely covered by a glacier for much of the last 40,000 years, only becoming emergent, like being able to be seen on the surface in the last kind of 8,000, 6,000 years, something like that. And of course, because it is in a high alpine area, it would, it would trap the snow. It's actually right at the foot of a big avalanche slope. So the fact it hasn't been seen before probably has to do with the fact that it's, this is an incredibly remote area. It's not an area that people visit. For the first time this season, temperatures are beginning to take a dip. So the city of Vancouver is opening its emergency warming shelters for the homeless ahead of expected sub-zero temperatures Monday night. Environment Canada has put out an extreme weather alert for the region, warning it could get as cold as minus three by Wednesday night. The Directions Youth Centre and Evelyn Sailor Centre are open through tomorrow night, with more to open in the coming days. If you'd like more information on where these shelters are found, you can head to our website where we have a full listing. And let's bring in our weather specialist. Hello, how are you, Yvonne? It was really cold this morning, I have to say. Is that sort of what we're going to be seeing? Yeah, it's very chilly. Today was cold, but it'll even be cooler as we get in towards the week. I wanted to start off with a great shot that was sent in from our Ted Field this morning. We can see Mount Baker, and there was fog for many areas across the province. It did lift with the sunshine for the afternoon. A few spots across the province, southeastern corners woke up to snow. This is a shot from Cranbrook, from Catherine this morning. Still a chance of flurries will be just for this evening, and the return for a mix of sun and cloud tomorrow much drier. The clouds cleared across Metro Vancouver today and this is a stunning shot, beautiful from False Creek. Thank you, John, for sending in that photo. And this evening from our Jordan Armstrong, the sunset surfing into Fino. So fantastic out there. We'll see a very similar weather picture once again for tomorrow. Temperature-wise, we were below the freezing mark for the early morning hours and overnight minus one. Seven was the high today, right where we should be for this time of the year, but not quite record-breaking. 14 was a high back in 1941 and minus six is a low back in 1954. Numbers across the province today, the peace climbing up to minus six. It was chilly for Williams Lake at minus three. Cranbrook with the snowfall today at minus one. We're ready sitting at two degrees with a northerly wind at six kilometers per hour. Those are the current conditions out of the airport. What we've got in place is a ridge of high pressure. This Arctic high is going to bring us uh, windy conditions along the north coast. Outflow winds and temperatures will cool off over the next few days leading in towards our work week. A check on the mountain passes if you're heading along the Coquihollan. All mountain passes will remain dry except the, the exception rather will be along the Kootenai Pass. We're still looking at a chance of flurries this evening and for the early morning hours tomorrow and then much drier come the afternoon. Future cast into play clears out across the province even the southeastern corners tomorrow. No precipitation and very chilly though. Here's what we are looking at for the piece. They are also looking at a fog advisory in effect, near zero visibility, very dense fog overnight and continuing for the morning hours. It leaves off towards the afternoon, wind chill for the morning hours, feeling like minus 16. White horse for the morning hours, wind chill at minus 25 through the day tomorrow, at minus 18. Along the north coast, we are looking at windy conditions, temperatures still, still bumping up to three for tomorrow. Caribou and central interior, mix of sun and cloud, the wind chill at minus 14 for the early morning hours. The Columbia and Kootenai region still tracking some fog for the morning. 
clearing towards the afternoon. Tops in Okanagan will see some nice breaks for tomorrow. You're underneath cloud cover today, but it'll brighten up. Most areas near Whistler, sunny and dry, but with the clear skies overnight, the wind chill for the morning hours at minus 10 through the day tomorrow at minus 4. And along the island, we will see windy conditions for the uh, near the water tomorrow. Wind chill for the morning hours will be at minus 6. Metro Vancouver at minus 5 and for our Tuesday morning. So very chilly. Some of the coolest days will be for our Wednesday. Thursday, tonight's weather window is from Lindsay, and this was a shot that was taken from Rocky Point in Port Moody last night. Jen? That is beautiful. Stunning. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, it's not what most of us would think of doing outdoors at this time of year in the Okanagan. Most people are at one of the local hills, but as Travis Lowe reports, some diehard golfers are still in the links. Sure, winter's only days away, and yeah, there's snow up on them, our hills. But this is the Okanagan, and for fans of the green game, what could make for better bragging rights than a round of golf in December? We're totally open. It is December. Yesterday was super busy because it was December 1st. Uh, We were at 90% occupancy. Uh, We didn't have an open time. It was awesome. People just wanted to get out, you know, tell their friends back east how, uh, you know, it's warm in BC. We're still playing golf and rub it in their face a little bit. You people back in Calgary, too bad. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) Dave Anderson having a good laugh out on the course yesterday and today. Course conditions, just fine with him. That's really good because we get nothing better to sit at home and watch TV. So you might as well come out and get some exercise. You don't want to be doing Christmas shopping? Uh, No, I'll leave that to the wife. That's probably not going to go over well at home for Dave, you know what I'm saying? But who cares, right? Why head to the mall when you can crush a ball? This fortuitous weather pattern, some solace for a season that was... Sadly, smoked out this year and a lot of it was rained out. George Prevost refusing to let his golf passion go cold in December. Oh yeah, you gotta dress up warm. Uh, Toques, gloves, uh, underwear if you have them. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you gotta be warm. Global warming, maybe. Climate change, definitely. So you linksmen, enjoy your Game of Thrones on the course while you can because winter's coming. Today's probably the last day with the minus temperatures uh, being the high temperatures next week. Golf in December, north of the 49, only in the Okanagan. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Like, uh, why wouldn't you? Like, if you can. Like, it's probably the only place in Canada where you can. So, it's all good. Indeed it is, Conrad. Indeed it is. Travis Lowe, Global News, Kelowna. Welcome back. Mary Delay is here with a little bit of sports for us mm, now. You talk Seahawks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the start of the year, a lot of people weren't sure if this was a playoff team or not. But uh, Seattle's really own. improved, and uh, they tend to play their best football when the weather gets cold. And it's uh, true this year, too. Thanks, Jen. Uh, the Seahawks control their own destiny in the final five weeks of the NFL season. Four wins in their last five would likely be good enough to get an NFC wildcard spot. Seattle's got a favorable schedule playing NFC West weaklings, San Francisco and Arizona, in three of those five games. Today, they took care of one of those gimmies, blasting the 49ers at CenturyLink to keep their playoff hopes on track. Richard Sherman, the former Seahawk, no interceptions yet this season, really a quiet game. He did nothing for San Fran. Bobby Wagner doing some Legion of Boom work on 49er quarterback Nick Mullins, sacks him on third down to end a 49ers drive. Later first quarter, Russell Wilson airing it out to Jerron Brown, 45-yard gain inside the San Francisco 25. And a few plays after that, same combination. Russell with plenty of time, 
And he will zip it to Brown for the touchdown. Penalty was against the 49ers, so the touchdown stands. They missed the point after, so it's 6-0. Second quarter, Wilson going deep again, finds Tyler Lockett, 52-yard touchdown. Lockett's ninth TD of the season. He has taken it up a notch this year. What a deep threat he's been for the Seahawks. 13-0 Seattle, then late in the half, Russell on the run, starts his slide, gets popped by former teammate Malcolm Smith. A shot to the head. It's a 15-yard penalty, but Russell was okay. That leads to Wilson's third TD pass of the half. A one-yarder to Doug Baldwin. Wilson, three touchdowns on just four completions. That's quite the shooting percentage. 20-3 Seahawks at the half. Third quarter after an 84-yard kickoff return by Lockett. Rashad Penny, the rookie, with a 20-yard touchdown gallop. His second TD of the season. 27-3 Seattle. Then in the fourth, Wilson will throw his fourth touchdown of the game, second of the day to Jerron Brown. Seahawks celebrate with the Macarena, still popular at weddings and apparently at Seahawk games. 34-10 Seahawks. Late in the fourth, San Fran knocking on the door, looking for a third touchdown of the second half. But Bobby Wagner says not this time. Picks off Mullins and takes it back 98 yards for the touchdown. That is the longest pick six in Seahawks history. Seahawks do what they had to do, put a beat down on the 49ers. 43-16 is the final, so Seattle now improves to 7-5. Meanwhile, Vikings and Patriots. Seattle hoping for a Minnesota loss. You dig? Vikings were down 10-0 late first half, but Kirk Cousins hits Adam Thielen for the touchdown. Patriots led just 10-7 at the half. Third quarter, now tied, but New England break the tie. Tom Brady over the middle to Josh Gordon. He's in for the score, a 24-yard touchdown, 17-10 Patriots after three. And then in the fourth, the Patriots uh, put this one to bed. Fullback James Devlin will plow in from two yards out. Pats take it 24-10. They go to 9-3. Vikes fall to 6-5-1 as Seattle overtakes them in the NFC wildcard chase. Vikings visit the Seahawks in a huge matchup next Monday at CenturyLink. Panthers and Bucks. Carolina trying to keep pace with the Seahawks. Of course, Seattle won at Carolina last week. Second quarter, Tampa quarterback Jameis Winston hits Chris Goodwin. 17-7 Bucks at the half. Third quarter, Panthers down 14. But Cam Newton will find Devin Funches for the touchdown. So Carolina still in it. Down seven. Late fourth. Fourth down for the Panthers. The Panthers, they have to go for it, but Newton overthrows a wide-open Devin Funches. Tampa does Seattle a favor, knocking off Carolina 24-17. Carolina's lost four of five. They're now six and six. Rams and Lions. L.A. with a chance to clinch the NFC West with a win. Lions played them tough, but L.A. pulls away in the fourth. Todd Gurley, the touchdown machine, goes in from 13 yards out. That didn't look too easy, did it? 23-13 Rams, and then late, Gurley puts this one on ice. His second touchdown of the game, 15th of the season. Rams win 30-16. They go to 11-1, and they clinch the NFC West with four games to play. They are a definite 
Super Bowl contender. And Chiefs and Raiders, KC playing its first game since releasing Kareem Hunt after the video came out of him allegedly assaulting a woman back in February. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs looking good early. Mahomes to Travis Kelsey for the touchdown. 19-7 Chiefs at the half. Raiders made a game of it, but late fourth, Mahomes uh, with his fourth TD pass of the game hits Chris Connolly for the score. And the Chiefs go to 10-2, and best in the AFC after the 40-33 win in Oakland. And just breaking news, the Packers, after their loss to Arizona, have fired their head coach, Mike McCarthy. 4-7-1, Green Bay doesn't look like they'll get to the playoffs. Welcome back. The Canucks have played pretty well on their three-game homestand, but have nothing to show for it. Three straight losses, so it's now 11 defeats in their last 12 games. They'll try to get a win Tuesday when Minnesota visits. Canucks are hopeful that veteran center Jay Beagle will return after missing seven weeks with a broken forearm. NHL tonight, Flames and Blackhawks from Chicago. Second period, veteran Chris Kunitz with the flying elbow right to the head of Flame defenseman Travis Hamannick. Hamannick missed a month with the broken jaw after a fight on opening night with the Canucks' Eric Branson. Kunitz gets tossed for that elbow. The Flames got two power play goals out of it. The second by Derek Ryan. Turns out to be the game winner. Final just in. Flames beat the Hawks 3-2. Calgary first in the Pacific. Jets and Rangers from MSG. Rangers led 3-0 after two, but the Jets rally in the third. Mark Scheifele on the power play going five-hole on Henrik Lundqvist made it 3-1, and then two minutes later, Jack Roslovic will cut the lead to one, fires the screenshot past Lundqvist, 3-2 hockey game, and then with under three to go, Nick Ehlers with the slapper is stopped, but Brian Little hammers in the rebound, 3-3, nothing in overtime, so it goes to a shootout, and Mark Scheifele with a chance to win it for the Jets, and he does, ripping it glove side. What a comeback for Winnipeg, 4-3 the final. The Jets at 16-8-2, sixth best in the NHL. Vancouver Giants sweep their weekend series with Tri-City. They win it 4-2. That's six straight wins for Vancouver. Also today, Prince George beat Victoria 5-3. EPL Sunday, second place Liverpool hosting Everton. A wild finish. This was goalless deep into stoppage time. Dying moments, a looping ball towards the goal, mishandled by Everton goalkeeper Jordan Pickford. Divock Origi heads in the gift Instead of tipping it back, he tips it forward. Liverpool will take it. A huge three points. They're now within two points of front-running Manchester City. Third place, Tottenham. At fifth place, Arsenal. A Harry Kane penalty. Gave Spurs a 2-1 lead, but Gunners come out gunning in the second. 56th minute, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with his second of the day. Ties it at two. And then it's Alexander Lacazette. Cutting it back, left boot finds the range, 3-2 Arsenal, and then four minutes later, one more for the Gunners. Lucas Torreira bags his first Premier League goal since signing in the summer. 4-2 Arsenal win, so they move above Spurs into fourth. And fourth place Chelsea, when the day began, visiting uh, or hosting Fulham. Last place Fulham, didn't take long for the Blues to get the upper hand, just four minutes in. Pedro fires it in to make it 1-0 Chelsea and then in the 82nd, this is pretty to watch, swift ball movement finished off by Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Chelsea win it 2-0. They're now third with 31 points after their comfortable 2-0 win. And we'll finish off with the final round 
of the Hero World Challenge from the Bahamas. 18-man field. Tiger Woods didn't have a good week. Barely escaped finishing dead last. Bogey there on 17. Finished 17th out of 18 players after a 1 over 73 today. No one could catch Spaniard John Rahm, a bogey-free 7 under 65 in the final round. So he wins easily at 20 under. Four ahead of second place, Tony Finau. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 68 centimeters. Cypress opening tomorrow and Sasquatch December 15th. Revelstoke with a base of 116. Fernie 90 and 7 new centimeters of snow. Whitewater opening December 6th. Big White and Sun Peaks both with a base of 92 centimeters. Silver Star 106. Kicking Horse and Mount Washington opening December 7th. And Powder King with a base of 100 centimeters. Oh, the snow report. It's getting chilly. Anyhow, uh, have you seen or heard of this story today? In New York, the police department is now looking to find two unidentified lovebirds after a proposal went awry and it was all caught on camera. Oh, can you imagine if this happened? The man dropped the engagement ring while trying to propose. And then it fell underneath the utility grate. An NYPD officer saw it all happen and was able to, to recover the ring. But now... They have to find the couple so they can kind of finish what they started. So they've released these pictures, hoping that, you know, the public will see it or social media will spread it and they can find the couple. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> Never propose over a grate. Right. And did right. she say yes? We don't. I don't know. Right. I guess she's got have time to, find to the couple. think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's got lots she's of time. Like, hmm. Or she wants to look at the ring first, maybe. Yeah. Oh, how are you? We had a good close-up over there. <laughs> a good one. Okay. <laughs> this was decent. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you a little <laughs> later on NewsHour Final. <laughs>